The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. I'm Gary Parish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. He's at home in Connecticut. I'm in a hotel in New York City for CBS Sports Network. If you're watching on YouTube, you probably can notice both of those things. Please smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, Go ahead and, and and knock that out while you're here. Let's get into it. Obviously, we don't typically do shows on Thursday nights, and we might not do another show on a Thursday night until the NCAA tournament, but I've been in New York all week for CBS Sports Network doing studio work and guest hosting Time to Shine. I'm flying home Friday morning, so we uh, thank God I don't have a Southwest flight. Woo, boy. I, well, you know what? As, <laughs> I, I, because I, I, my wife obviously isn't accustomed to me hopping up and doing a pod at this hour on a Thursday. And it's a really, it's also a really light slate of college games right now. Providence is destroying Butler. But on this Southwest note, it's obviously a disaster. And, and I, I will only presume, although I hope this isn't the case, but I think the odds might favor that uh, we do have listeners who, uh, we're traveling, are traveling, have been traveling with Southwest. That's obviously an absolute travel disaster. And so when I mentioned to my wife, I was like, yeah, we're going to do this pod at uh, at 7.30 Eastern Thursday. GP's got to fly early Friday morning, so we're going to get the preview stuff and podcast out of the way. And she goes, is he flying Friday morning? Is that, <laughs> is that happening? I was like, he got he got there, and I don't think he flew southwest. So no. uh, knock on wood, you, you have had some, uh, because of how often you do wind up flying, you had some, some interesting stories over the years. But if anyone has listened to the pod, uh, frankly, uh, find us and let us know. And we hope that we've helped you a little bit. But it seems like uh, one of the larger airline disasters that I can remember in our country. And I can only be uh, grateful that I, I've actually never flown Southwest period in my life because I'm in the Northeast. There's not really a hub for it up here. So whenever I'm flying out of New York, not that you can't, but there's always just other airlines that I choose. So genuinely my thoughts are with anyone that uh, that might have been caught up in this or any other weather related stuff over the past few days yeah i saw one story today where a guy um was on the list for a heart transplant they they got the heart and it was like but you got to get here and he no couldn't way. get there 
Come and so on. he did not he did not Come get the on. heart transplant. This is not. They gave the, are you kidding me? Uh, that's a real story. Yeah, no, I read it. It's a real story. I mean, I don't what? know the names and the places, but it's a real story that I read uh, within the past couple of hours. So just like it, it's inconvenient for some people, for lots of people, it is perhaps like life threatening for others. So, um, yeah, thoughts are with you if you've been dealing with that or any other issue as 2022 uh, winds down, but fingers crossed. I'm Team Delta. I mean, you uh, look at me, Norlander. Look at my eyes. You're looking at a million miler, Team Delta. All right, I've got the plaque and everything to prove it. And really, all it proves is that you're not at home enough. That's all it proves. It just proves you're uh, not not. We're gonna send you a plaque to remind you of how bad of a father you are. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what it is. That's all it is. It's like I, you're it's never like, there for your children. Here, why don't you hang this on your wall? Hey, congratulations, Gary Parrish. You're never at home. Yeah. So, uh, but hopefully I'll be home tomorrow. Fingers uh, crossed. So all that said, that is why we decided to knock this out tonight. And I suppose the uh, proper thing to do is start with Kentucky because the Wildcats are now eight and four following an 89-75 loss at Missouri. This after being ranked number one in the preseason at Ken Palm and in the top five of all relevant human rankings. Even more troubling than that is that uh, UK is 0-4 against top 45 Ken Palm teams. The Wildcats will enter January with zero quadrant one victories. Deadleg, is it fair to be super concerned about John Calipari's team already, or is it too early for UK, UK fans to, to, to be freaking out? Too early? And don't worry, Mizzou, we're getting to you. Mizzou fans, we're getting to your Tigers. That's going to happen. Too early? Dude, they're, they're, way past, they're way past this stage. Not a chance. The, the Kentucky fans are so... It, I was thinking about this a little bit earlier today. You know, eight and four... The best win is over Michigan, which didn't even happen. <laughs> Not even like in in uh, Eastern time zone. It didn't happen in this country. They had to fly across the Atlantic Ocean to get a halfway decent win. The be- second best win is against Yale, and that game was closer than Kentucky fans uh, wanted it to be. They there. have no good wins. They have no good wins in the United States. That's correct. None. There isn't. A, there isn't a good win in this country yet. They will. They will exit twenty twenty two and this the the first third of this season without a viable win on United States soil. And that is a, that's a major problem. They're going to play, and we'll get to this later. They are hosting Louisville on Saturday. So they have one more win likely coming on American soil, but that is obviously not a quality win there. And, man, oh, man, with each, with each game passing, uh, the fan base is getting more and more fed up. Now, the, if you really step back and go 10,000-foot view on this whole thing, you can look at it from look at what Kentucky was in the first half of John Calipari's career there versus what it's been since. Like they, our buddy Jeff Eisenberg did have a nice tweet. Uh, I say nice in terms of it was just a, a reminder of, of really where this program was at one point. It was 38 no getting ready to play Wisconsin in the 2015 Final Four, two wins away from outright immortality, right? And they, they get upended by Decker and Kaminsky, Josh Gosser and that crew. And since then, Kentucky hasn't made it back to a Final Four has had good seasons and had, you know, a couple of two seeds in there, four seed in there, all that, but made the elite eight and 17 when, uh, when Luke may knocked him out, uh, knocked him out of that regional final there, but they haven't made it back to a final four. And up till that point from 2009, 2010 to 2015, I mean, Kentucky was, even though it only had one national championship, it was the best program in the sport in that stretch there. Uh, the other way that you can also look at this though, is, because I either in my mentions or just seeing other commentary 
elsewhere. Kentucky's got an amazing recruit. Now, this is practically an annual thing. I get this. It has another amazing recruiting class coming in. But from what I gather from UK fans, and if there are any watching uh, now or after the fact on on YouTube, you'll feel free to uh, confirm or deny this. But it feels like the class coming in with Dillingham and Wagner and company that is regarded as like, you know, a top four or five class that Callis had, which is saying something given how strong the classes are almost every single season. And so while they don't want to be in this spot, they want to be the preseason top five team. They want to be the national championship contender. It's almost like we got to put up with this one more year. And then like next group, it better be the group. Like we better be a top 10 team wire to wire with this amount of talent coming in uh, or else. I don't know. He's on a lifetime contract it's it's just not uh it's not a good it is not a good situation has some slight these are not direct parallels but i couldn't help but also think uh, after the noise of the off season that was made with headlines with calipari and having a, a public spat this one being with the football coach so to speak it wasn't like direct direct and and then really disappointing the fan base there was another instance of this in college football with jimbo fisher getting public with a spat with Nick Saban and then AM, a very trendy preseason top 10 team absolutely went into the tank. I don't think relatively speaking, Kentucky is going to be that, but I will tell you this right now going into 23 parish, not a quad one win to be found on that resume. If we started the tournament now, which we're not, thankfully uh, would not be a tournament team. I think it will get there, but a lot of work to do. And as we talked about this after the CBS sports classic, like, <sighs> Where is your room for optimism if you're a Kentucky fan? You're, you're hoping that you're going to be able to peel off at least 10 wins in league play. I assume you're going to get there. But Cal has not figured out this team, doesn't know what lineups to use. And in many ways, like Missouri just blew him off the floor. It was not even competitive. And credit to Missouri. We'll get to you in a second. But yeah, this uh, this situation is not improving in any way. And I, and I don't even think like a 40-point win over Louisville, if that even happens. I don't think that means, I don't think that does anything. It's about what you're going to be able to do in SEC play and actually playing against top 25 competition, winning against those teams to, to restore any kind of faith in the fan base. I'm with you. There, there's really nothing they can do this weekend against Louisville to to make Kentucky fans go, okay, oh, oh, now we're now, here we go. Because like everybody, you know, smashes Louisville. Um, you know, they're, they're just, Really, 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 really bad. So it's going to be a weird scene um, this weekend in that tremendous, typically tremendous rivalry game because Louisville is as bad as it's ever been and Kentucky is as disappointing as any highly ranked preseason team in in the country. As I wrote on Thursday morning, you know, John entered this season under as, as much pressure as he's ever faced from his own fan base and it's not necessarily job pressure because they owe him like so much money even if they wanted to fire him um, unless they could do it for calls for some reason that it's 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 not I, I guess anything's possible but it's certainly not practical or ideal the reason he entered um with, with so much pressure this season is it's 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 a few different reasons a because they lost to saint peter's in the first round of the NCAA tournament last season B, because the season before that, it was the worst Kentucky men's basketball season in modern history. C, because he still hasn't been to a Final Four since 2015. And D, because he's still stuck. And I know it sounds crazy sometimes to say, and he's still stuck on one national title. Like, you know, Tom Izzo is still stuck on one national title. But when you enroll the type of recruiting classes consistently that John has had, you probably should at this point have more than one national title. 
and he still only has one through 13 years. And at this point, it's looking like it's going to be one through 14 years. I don't think it helps him that in that t- same time frame he's been at UK, Jay Wright won two, and uh, Bill Self you know, just won his second. I know the first came actually against John when he was at Memphis, so before John got to Kentucky. But still, Bill Self is operating at Kansas uh, with multiple national titles. John Calipari still stuck on one. When, when he arguably had the best team in 2010, 2012, in 2015, and then was a favorite in another national championship game. So that's the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the baseline for where we were. And now through 12 games, like that, that criticism has progressively only gotten worse. And I'm not going to, we should have learned our lesson last season with North Carolina, start writing obituaries yet for, for this team or for John's tenure at Kentucky, but it's obviously not good. Uh, you know, there was a time when if you criticize John Calipari with a tweet on a podcast with a column, you would have a swarm of Kentucky fans coming at you. And I promise you there is not a Kentucky fan who is listening to this right now and hearing what I'm saying and you're saying who disagrees with us. And that's where you really get a problem. When your fans are are agreeing with your critics and your fans have become your most intense critics it's not it's not impossible to bounce back from but ask anybody it's hard it's very hard there are some uh, there are some Kentucky fans who are who are ready they are yes. they are ready they are ready to move on and this is like if you, if you if you put a poll I'm not up even right saying, now, I'm not, I'm not even saying this is like unreasonable fan I'm talking like a healthy portion of the fan base seems ready to say acknowledge what's happened there to that. I might say careful what you wish for. It all depends on who you, who eventually succeeds Calipari whenever that happens, but they are just, they are so, and what's funny is when we talk about these topics, like I very much understand if you are a fan of most other programs, right? You're like, I couldn't give a crap. This is Kentucky. (laughs) This is one of the best programs ever. I could not give a crap. If that fan base is done with however John Calipari is coaching the program, come join the rest of the universe. You know, so I hear I hear you if that's where you're coming from. But I'm just trying to shed a little bit of light on really what's, you know, a, a, a top two program in terms of eyeballs, polarization, uh, popularity. I mean, Kentucky's fan base is huge. And when it's this bad, yes, it is. It is a story. And Kentucky is a bad team right now. It is bad. That was unwatchable basketball against Missouri. I was excited. Wednesday night was an awesome slate worth of games, right? And I was particularly intrigued because I wanted to see if Missouri was going to be able to show up and really go face-to-face with the Kentucky team that I knew was slipping. And like, GP, six minutes into the game, it was, I, I wouldn't have taken 3,000 to the bank and, and, and laid it down for sure. But like six minutes into that game, I'm like, Kentucky's not winning this. And it was never close. It was never compelling. It wasn't compelling whatsoever. Again, Mizzou, credit to you. This is you've done a great job against an Illinois team that's kind of it's kind of wobbly against the Kentucky team that's flopping like a fish right now. But credit to what you've been able to do for UK fans that want to get rid of Cal. I'm still not ready to have that conversation because I just don't think it's based in reality right now. Particularly what I mentioned before with the with the class that's coming in. I just don't, we're not heading toward that. But it doesn't stop the fact that there is a vocal and I will say relatively rational portion of the base that is ready to separate, that is ready to move on. To that, I would say, 
you're going to have to sit tight because I just I don't see that in the near future. Yeah, there there are reasonable Kentucky fans who, if you told them, you you realize all you got to do, snap your fingers and he's gone, they would snap their fingers. And I don't know that we've ever been there with John Calipari, not only at Kentucky, but literally any college job he's had. At, right. U, at UMass, there was never a moment where they wanted to get rid of him, obviously. Nobody even pays attention until he's good. And when he got good, he got great. And then, of course, he bounces to the NBA. I guess some Nets fans wanted to get rid of him. But by the time he comes back to college, you know, you can go look. People, I think, often forget this because of how unbelievable those last years of John Calipari at Memphis were. But the first five were pretty not so great. But still, like Memphis fans, like, believed this guy's probably the best we can do. Let's just ride it out. There was some criticism. But not a deal where if you could snap your fingers, you would you would you would do it to make a coaching change. And now here we are reaching that point in what I believe is year 14 at, at Kentucky. And um, as I noted in the lead to the top 25 and one on Thursday morning, this man's been a head coach in college now. It, it, you know, it goes back more than three decades and this is all new to him. And so. You know, listen, the recruiting class is on the way. And honestly, you could probably give that recruiting class to just about anybody and they'll do well with it. But I think, and I don't want to speak for Kentucky fans, but I get the sense at least that they're tired of of falling back on. Well, just wait till next season when this next group of super talented guys gets here because that was the story two years ago. Didn't go well. Um, on some level, it was the story this year, not going well. And they've reached the point, at least in some in in some ways, where they're 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 tired of getting the great recruits, the great rosters, and then not doing great things with it. Um, and and I I understand. I don't think it's unreasonable if you're a Kentucky fan who is frustrated, if not, you know, flat disgusted at this point. All right, a little love to Mizzou here. Kobe Brown yes. is becoming one of the better seniors in the country. Uh, he had 31 against Illinois, six days off, celebrate Christmas, come back at Kentucky, drop 30. Back-to-back 30-point games, big time. The wins over Illinois and Kentucky mark the first time in the regular season. Now, Kentucky and Illinois are not top 25 teams, but at the time of the games, both teams were ranked. It's the first time since 0102. Shouts to Quinn Snyder. Shouts to Quinn freaking Snyder. Last time Missouri won back-to-back games in the regular season against ranked competition 20 years ago. Pretty outrageous there. And for a Missouri fan base, right, just like we were talking about with Kentucky, you have been going through it for so long. And, you know, we have a few comments here in the, in the chat. And we appreciate that. No doubt that people listening, you've been waiting just to hear good things about your program. Will Missouri be in the NCAA tournament? I don't know. If you made me pick right now, I'm saying yes. Did I have it at the start of the season? No. Did Parrish? No. Did most people? No. It was Dennis Gates in year one at a program that he was trying to give any kind of reason for optimism after they just could not really establish anything strong under Conza Martin. They had the one year with Porter Jr. He played like three games. Wasted year. We hear you, Mizzou fans. You've just been aching and aching and aching. This is only Missouri's third win against Kentucky since it joined the SEC like a decade ago. So you haven't even had a lot of opportunities to get big-time wins against high-profile intra-conference competition. Kobe Brown has been tremendous, and to this point, got to give it up to Gates. I think it has worked out almost perfectly for him in that 
scheduled light for the most part non-con which uh, I, I said in the previous pod i wrote it in my power rankings missouri i put i put you in the power rankings got to do it one loss what you've done you deserve you, you're one of the hotter teams as of late you absolutely deserve that i have no problem with with a coach particularly in his first season sometimes even in year two if you want to go light i get it uh it might wind up backfire and if you take one too many losses and you want to get in the tournament you say wait 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 a minute well that's that's the risk you take but i think at the risk of trying to get victories increase morale it's totally worth it but kobe brown has been tremendous and if you are curious yes he he uh, is named after kobe i did a story uh wow we're coming up on man we are really coming up on almost three years since kobe bryant passed um after that happened i did a story on a number of of players uh in college at that point who were named kobe in fact were uh were named after kobe or they wore 24 because of kobe and kobe brown Rocket number twenty four. So he's been he's been in college for a while, and he was he was tremendous uh, against Kentucky on on Wednesday night, and that is a that is just a big time win for a Missouri program that twelve and one. It's got to play Arkansas in a week. It doesn't have a game this weekend, so it, you know gets to kind of collect itself before it's got to go on the road. Three of its next four are on the road. Missouri is going to take a loss or two here. If you know that's just going to happen in the next couple of weeks. But to this point, second ranked offense in the country per possession, according to Ken Palm. There. Really good down low. Good on you, Mizzou. I would lean you're going to get in, but I, I, for me, it's like a 55-45 at this point. You have, you know, you've got, I mean, you got 17 more regular season league games to go, plus the conference tournament there. There's a lot of work to be done. You're in a better position than, say, LSU, another 12-1 and team that had an even weaker non-conference overall standing and got its first quad one win of the year on Wednesday night. But uh, credit to Dennis Gates, who has... I, I talked to Dennis on the road in July. I saw him in Chicago at the Under Armour event. And we talked for, I don't know, about 10 minutes or so and went over the, the just the details of how we wound up getting the job and building the staff and expectations. And it was like a lot of just casual surface level stuff. But I tell, just tell you what, like Dennis Gates, not a lot of people really know him too well. Former longtime assistant at, at Florida State. Uh, relatively quiet guy, I think, for the most part. But he told me something along the lines of, I promise you people are going to, you know, think we're going to win. I don't know. He might have said, like, people think we're going to win, like, 12, 13 games. I promise you it's, gonna, it's not going to be close to that. Like, we are going to have a team there. Obviously, a lot of coaches believe that. Coming through on that, it's another deal altogether. Mizzou is sitting pretty, uh, heading into uh, heading into 2023. Again, next game isn't coming until next Wednesday, and that will be, that'll be a, a steep climb against Arkansas on the road. I'm not just leaning Missouri in the tournament. I'm jump. I'm jumping that direction. I, I think they're going to be there. Uh, like I wrote on Thursday morning, uh, I think Missouri's good, and it looks like Dennis Gates is great. And like, and like it, this isn't just like a one-off thing. He just won back-to-back Horizon League titles at an extremely difficult job, Cleveland State. Right. Most guys. Most guys that are even like at other mids that if they're even an offered. They don't want that job. That's not a good job. So that that should also be known. Most college basketball fans don't pay attention to anything below the power conference level uh, unless it's like a, an, an NBA prospect there or somebody's undefeated deep into the season. It, it just sort of uh, it all happens off of most people's radar. But I am, for the most part, usually a believer in somebody who is consistently great um, at the at the mid major or low major level, like if because in, in those leagues typically you don't have incredible talent advantages 
over everybody else. Like where you could get that traditionally, historically, is at the power conference level. Like you're at Kentucky, you can go get better players than everybody else. You're at Duke, you can go get better players than everybody else in your league for the most part. At Cleveland State, you're not getting better players than everybody else in your league. You're just getting the guys that you get, and they're a lot like the guys other Horizon uh, League teams get. And then it's like who can develop them, who can coach them. And for Dennis, I know it's a small sample size, but to win uh, you know, back-to-back league titles in year two and year three at Cleveland State, I think that says something about him. Same thing with Chris Jans at New Mexico State. It's like it really lines up similarly. Uh, these are guys who prove themselves to be consistently high-level guys um, at, a, at a certain level of the sport, and, and, and then they bounce to the high-major level, and they're making an immediate I- impact. Most impressive about all of this at Mizzou is that you mentioned they're 12-1 and one right now. They won 12 games last season, Missouri did, all season, 12 games. Dennis Gates got 12 wins before we even hit January, and this is his team. This isn't one of those deals where – yeah, he inherited like yeah, he inherited Kobe Brown. But like he inherited, you know, three starters from the previous staff or seven of the top 8 scores at Missouri right now. We're not at Missouri last season. Seven of the top 8. And when you combine that with what Matt McMahon is doing at LSU, what Jerome Tang seems to be doing at Kansas State, this is why nobody wants to hear anybody's excuses anymore about it takes time. There has literally never been a better time to take a bad job or, or, or take over a bad situation in the history of college basketball. Why? Because of the one-time transfer waiver and because of name, image, and likeness. You can now take a job. Like when in years past, like Indiana was a disaster after, after you know, Kelvin was forced to resign. Kelvin Sampson, of course. And Tom Crean takes that over, and it's like there's no players there. And there's really no way to get players. Because <laughs> if you get a transfer, they got to sit out a year, and all the high school players are signed, and it's just sort of that's going to be a process. You know it. Now there doesn't have to be a process. TJ Otzelberger did it at Iowa State last season, took over a bad situation, got loaded up in the transfer portal, and created a quality basketball team. And that is what Dennis Gates has done at Missouri. It is really impressive stuff. And if you're a Mizzou fan, you should be genuinely excited because it it appears you've got a guy who knows how to win at a high level, but more than that, understands how to build quickly and reload in this current place Uh, that college basketball is operating in. So I moved Missouri into the top 20, not just into the top 25 and one, but into the top 20 of the top 25 and one because they're sitting there with two massive wins and the lone losses to Kansas. And yeah, that was lopsided, but that just makes me think more Kansas than it makes me think anything about Missouri. And when you're sitting here 12 and one lone loss to a a top five Kansas team, you got wins over Kentucky and Illinois eh, somewhere in the top 20 is probably where you belong. Kentucky, if it's not obvious to everybody, I moved the Wildcats completely out of the top 25 and one. They are down to 40th in the net. There have been a few other notable results since we last podcasted. We're going to touch on some of those next, but first a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky 
co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. A reminder, if you want, you can now email the show, shouts to cbs at gmail.com. Shouts to cbs at gmail.com. We are loving the responses we've gotten, the emails, the correspondence, the questions. Continue sending them. You can send in a video if you'd like, 10 to 15 second video, ask a question, name, city, town, get out. We'll try and drop those in going forward on the show, on the YouTube channel. Continue to send us stuff. We love hearing from you. And thank you, as always, for subscribing. So Missouri over Kentucky wasn't the only notable midweek result. We also had UConn improving to 14-0 with a 74-66 win over Villanova. Alabama won 78-67 at Mississippi State. Arkansas lost 60-57 at LSU. New Mexico improved to 13-0 with an 88-69 win over Colorado State. Any thoughts on any of those results or anything else that happened since we were last sitting here staring at each other in a computer? Uh, let's save let's save New Mexico and UConn thoughts for I guess Xavier thoughts too. Let's save that for Final Four and one. Um, Alabama getting the win at Mississippi State. Brandon Miller went for nineteen and eleven. Mark Sears had a game high twenty. 78 points was 12 more than Mississippi State had allowed all season. Again, as you mentioned before, that's a first-year coach situation there with the Bulldogs. Uh, Because Kentucky isn't as good as we're expected, and now you've got Missouri, LSU, Mississippi State, for the most part, has been better than expected. The SEC is just developing into, I had this in my power rankings as well, in one of the team capsules there. It is going to be giving us, if not must-watch, like, just intriguing games, like at least three a week for the rest of the season. Because think about it, Tennessee, Bama, Auburn. Uh, we'll see. I mean, Auburn is ranked tw- top 25 in most predictive metrics and it's 11 and two. So it's still like, it's a ranked team. Like it, it's still there. Missouri, LSU, um, even like teams that like Georgia, I don't know how good Georgia is or isn't, but it's not, it does have a bad record. Mike White's got them at 10 and three. They'll probably finish bottom four in the conference, probably, but they're still intriguing. And then you've got Arkansas, Kentucky's always worth watching. Mississippi State only has two losses. Some of this is trade off, though. Like Florida was not expected to be seven, six, and they're having some struggles in the first season under uh, under Todd Golden there. But for Bama to get the win, fourth one over a ranked opponent, second one true road win. Uh, over a ranked opponent. I think Bama's got three road wins and five or six combined road neutrals. Uh, Bama's actually, and we mentioned this a few weeks back, so we're not surprising our our every episode listeners there. But while Tennessee is going to be in the mix to to win the league and who knows who else, right now it's looking like Tennessee, Bama, Arkansas. Again, we got to see it with Kentucky. It's not unthinkable, but there's just no evidence there. Um Alabama could mess around and wind up with the best resume in the conference because of what it did in non-conference there. So that one was the most notable to me on Wednesday. Again, because of the Christmas break, very little earlier in the week. Wednesday was really the one that was populated with a lot of stuff there. And so uh, it was a good win and uh, you know, a good win for Bama, a good win for LSU. Just got to see, just got to see more. I mean, Arkansas did not have Nick Smith jr. We don't know when he's going to return. Uh, that was the first quad one win for LSU. Three-point win, really a rough game, but a good one. You'll take any kind of win, however you can get it, particularly if you're LSU. Another, you know, 
Matt McMahon had to flip that entire like there was one point where they did not have a player on the team. He got the job and then a week later, like no one, they, I, everyone had either left for good or was in the transfer portal. And so for them to be where they are right now is, is big time stuff there for, for Matt McMahon. So I guess the SEC, beyond the other stuff that we'll get to in the final forum one, that was the stuff that stood out to me. Yeah. Um, l- listen, when you, and I, I actually talked about this on Time to Shine earlier because we, we did a, you know, like a C block of college basketball recapping Wednesday night. And um, I, I know LSU hasn't beaten anybody other than Arkansas. And when they beat Arkansas, Arkansas was shorthanded. Like, I got it. First but, top 80 win on the schedule. Just yeah, So people yeah, realize they had not been right. the top 80 team until last night. Yeah. But what that also means is they haven't lost to a bad team. And like, like not many teams in the country are a really bad team. And not you know a lot of good teams have lost to bad teams. Beyond that, who cares? I mean, like you pointed out, there was a moment in time this offseason where Matt McMahon had zero players. <laughs> zero. It was the John Travolta Pulp Fiction. Yeah, like if you would have called Matt, there was a moment this summer where you could have called Matt, maybe closer to the spring, but you could have called Matt and said, um, so who do you think starting a point guard for you? I, I don't know who start. I don't I don't know who started. I don't know. I don't have a player. I mean, I can't overstate that. I hope people understand. There were zero scholarship players in enrolled. Zero. And he did enough to get this thing to a place where they've gotten off to a nice start, relatively speaking. You don't have to apologize for your strength of schedule when that is when that is your situation. As for Arkansas, I had a few Arkansas fans notice I uh, dropped the Hogs from ninth all the way down to twentieth at CBS at CBSSports.com in the top twenty-five and one. And the explanation for that, I know that because the the, the comment, which is totally sensible unless you understand what I'm doing, the comment, the, the most rel, uh, the most prevalent comment uh, was, so they lose a road game to a conference opponent by one possession and you drop them 11 spots. Like I get that in a vacuum. My explanation would be um, Arkansas's top 10 ranking was tied to a roster that no longer exists that's how Arkansas got the top 10 ranking based on that roster. And when they lost to Creighton in Maui, Creighton looked like a top 15 team. Well, now we know Creighton isn't that. So that's a worse loss than it appeared at the time. And one of my fundamental rules is that just because you lose a player, I don't wake up the next day and go, Trayvon Brazil's out. I'm dropping you seven spots. I, I said, we're just going to keep playing. And, you know, we'll adjust when we need to adjust, but I'm not going to punish you until a loss materializes. But when that loss happens and then you start looking back at the Arkansas resume, okay, Arkansas is ranked where they're ranked on preseason expectations, uh, a loss to Creighton that looked better at the time than it does now. And the fact that they had played basically nobody for the most part in this stretch where they had lost Trayvon Brazil and, and Nick Smith Jr., um, but when you look at the resume now, best one over Oklahoma or San Diego State, and there's really nothing else of note there, a loss to an unranked Creighton team and a loss to a team that is at least currently unranked in LSU and ranked outside of the top 70 at Ken Palm. So there's not much there now, and they're operating for the time being um, with it, with two without two of their top five scores and perhaps um, – you know, and, and at least without one of those guys for the rest of the season. We don't know when Nick Smith Jr. is coming back. 
or frankly, if he is coming back. I mean, I'm assuming he is, but like we don't know that. So would you evaluate Arkansas based on the current resume and the fact that Trayvon Brazil and Nick Smith Jr. aren't playing? They are way closer to 20 than 10. And that is the rationalization for the pretty steep fall after uh, a close competitive win, uh, com- competitive loss, rather, on the road. I mean, I'm, I've been checked out for like the past 60 seconds here. Um, well, we got uh, we got we got <laughs> my wife is texting me. So oh, got the dishwasher in the kitchen. I, we can move on to final form one after this here. I'm sure you made great points. But um, yeah, she's texting me that uh, she. So we got the dishwasher in the kitchen downstairs, and then next to our dishwasher, we've got like a a very thin, narrow uh, cabinet. And it's probably like uh, I don't know, almost two feet long, but but relatively narrow. Maybe not more than than seven, six or seven inches wide. Yeah, you're not put. That's not where you put your your plates. It's where you put your. No, it's like where we put like our uh, your weed. That's where you put your weed. No, it's where we put our cutting boards and all that kind of good stuff there. We've got like oversized coloring books for our kids. We just stick them in there. It's a perfect size for. But she said, I, I, I'm hearing some aggressive scratching coming from the tiny cabinet next to the fridge and dishwasher. Um, I'm freaked. Uh, you got to finish up this podcast. <laughs> She's just gonna have to wait. I don't need this in my life right now. We don't need another animal. Such, I swear she's texting me in the middle of the show and she knows like, unless it's an emergency, like just l- let me do the pod here. The, the animals, I, uh, what is it about me? How is it? I live in Mississippi, have no issue with animals whatsoever. You live in Connecticut and you got the dead things happening all the time. I mean, I, I presume we got a, maybe a mouse situation, uh, but, but that, I don't think it should be able to get back. I don't know. I just, I don't know. And I'm not good. I'm not afraid of mice. They just, they skeeve me out major, man. Like just like you could, you could tell me you could, a spider, a tarantula could drop down from the ceiling and land on my head and I wouldn't be phased by it. I might be like, Oh, but it, it, spiders don't, I'm fine with them. They don't bother me in the slightest, but there's something about rodents, man. I just, I'm just uncomfortable by them. So anyway, let's get to the final four. <laughs> Well, I've got I've got like every cop car in New York City is on fire. Like, woo, a lot of sirens outside. I don't know what's happening. Actually, if you it's just normal New York City stuff, but I can hear the sirens coming through my ears, which I think suggests maybe other people can hear it as well. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I think it's time to get to the final four and one. Let's get these. Uh, let's update, get these up, right? update us on the records. How far am I ahead right now? 
update you on how far you are ahead, sir. Yes, that's what we I want to know. This. We, we went over this. Norlander's at 18 and 12. You are at 15 and 15. Son of a bitch. Yeah, but I'm just going to keep saying, I'm just going to keep saying in my head. I don't know if you guys know, we live in a country where you can just say things that aren't true and like get elected to office and it doesn't matter to anybody. Nobody even blinks. So if you can do that at the highest levels of our government, I don't know why I can't just sit here and claim to be unbelievable at the final four and one, despite evidence to the contrary. Because we're haters, Gary, and we don't want you to elevate to a position well beyond our standing right now. That's why. I'm just going to keep saying I'm. I'm leading Final Four and One, and when I lose, I'm gonna I'm gonna claim that the Final Four and One was rigged, and and then <laughs> and then I'm gonna incite an insurrection. Okay, all right, let's go. First game, Game One, Saturday noon Eastern, number two UConn at number twenty two Xavier inside the Pete Gillen Center. You can watch it on Fox. Ken Palm has it. UConn minus six. How about this game? Tasty. We've got a, a big-time New Year's Eve Saturday situation with a good college soup slate. And then, obviously, the CFP semifinals. I'm going to make Parrish pick those games against the spread before we get out of here as well. Um, this is the highest-ranked team to visit Cintas since 2016-17. Xavier is 11-3, 3-0 in the Big East. Just got a win on Wednesday night at St. John's, 84-79. Did you happen to watch some of that game? It was all access. The mics were on throughout. We had it. We had we had it on in the CBS uh, Sports brought in the CBS Broadcast Center. We have like twelve TVs in in the green room. We call it the bullpen, where we sit in between going out to set. So we have everything on, but we uh, we typically only have audio on our game. Unless our game gets really, really lopsided. So I was I I had the visual of Sean Miller mic'd up, but I did not hear any of it although i i gather it was quite eventful it was it, it well, first of all uh, yeah xavier was never like outright threatened the one uh st john's kind of made it close i i i almost wish xavier had actually been trailing through some so like because miller eventually in the second half he just the filter went off and then there was just i'm not going to repeat what he said or, and i can't uh i can't mimic the tone but he's like losing his voice it's high pitch he's like you gotta get effing back you gotta get up. He's like in the timeout. There were no time, uh, TV timeouts. They, so at every at every media timeout, you just went inside the huddle. And the different. Oh, by the way, the difference in like tone and vibe between Miller running, like they'd have like Miller like sweat dripping off his chin. He's just like he's just fired up. He's into it. He's he's barking out orders to his guys there, and they're up and they're in a good mood. And it's just it's lively. And then they do the hard cut to St. John's. <laughs> And it'd be like it'd be like a Wes Anderson film. Like he was just sitting there, no one was talking. It was <laughs> I found it hilarious. I, I I don't know. I just that I guess that's just me. Um, Xavier hosting UConn in a big big time spot. Xavier, by the way, leads the country assists per game twenty one point one, and is one of the better shooting teams in the country. Actually, is the best shooting team in the Big East at this point, and it's got five players averaging double figures. Give me that line one more time. Ken Palm has it. UConn minus six. I, I cannot take UConn with that line. Uh, give me Xavier straight up, man. UConn's been good. What? UConn has been good. Number one in my power rankings. Number one in your rankings. Right? No, no. Purdue's number one. Okay. Well, I, I'm, I a boiler, I'm a boiler maker. 
let's not even start that. Um, I'm, and so I, I, I'm a boiler maker. Sintas boiler maker. Hold out. I'm sorry, Purdue fans. Jerry Palm's coming for you, man. Yeah, give me, give me Xavier. My preseason pick to win the Big East. Oh, by the way, uh, give me Xavier to win one. This is going to be, I think, a fantastic game. They edge it out late. They have the shooting. They get it done. But I will say this. I'm going to hedge here. My pick is Xavier. Xavier straight up. My hedge is that UConn has been so good and is so well-rounded and has like every piece that if they waltz in there and win by 14, I'm just not going to be surprised whatsoever, but I'm not going to predict that. I'll go Xavier. Give me Xavier like, give me, give me Xavier 81-78. I was about tempted to change my pick because you went with Xavier, but I'm going to stick with, I just think, dude, going like, obviously UConn's been beating everybody by more than six. So they can't, the the Huskies can do it, but like, that's a big ask, you know, a a weekend game inside the Centa center, you know, it's going to be packed, great home court environment. Um, I won't be surprised if Xavier wins the game. I'm certainly going to take Xavier plus six. I'll take UConn to win the game. I think UConn wins, but it's more competitive than uh, what Ken Palm projects. Game two. Saturday noon Eastern, Louisville at number 19, Kentucky, inside Billy Gillespie Arena. I know oh, one thing. Man. I know why I, are you going to do that after the segment we had on Kentucky? You're going to put that evil on this fan base? I'll tell you one thing. Billy Gillespie never started number one at Kim Palm and then lost four of his first 12. I know oh, that yes. for a fact. You can look it up. Billy Gillespie never did that. Fire that line at me one more time. You can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's a network of stars. Kimpom has it UK minus 23. <laughs> we are picking this game because it is a CBS game. Let us be clear on that. It's the first of a triple header. Uh, you will you will be able to watch me on CBS Sports HQ. You going to be joining me? I'm, a, I'm on the first two games here. I'm on the you last could- game. I'm on the San Diego State game. All right, so you got San GP to wrap it up, and I'm on yeah. the first. I'm on the first couple yeah. ones. San Diego, on. San Diego State fans uh, um, requested that I handle their uh, game, so I'm looking forward day. to that. I'm an Aztec. I feel like I feel like that's an outright lie. Um, nope. All right, I will go 23. Louisville's been I, uh, Louisville's got to be they're what two and eleven. That might be the record against the spread. Uh, this is I you're. You're messed up for picking this game. Uh, that's just a lot of points. I I'll do it. Louisville's been terrible, man. I I will go Kentucky. <laughs> what doing? I'm ready for this. I'm I'm ready. That one's on me. I was wrong. I'm ready for that one. <laughs> if this is, I will go Kentucky to cover 23 points. I would never bet on Louisville under any circumstances, <laughs> ever. I don't trust them. They're not trustable, even even getting 23 points. So I will also take Kentucky, but we talked on the previous episode where I just sort of wondered in advance of Duke, North Carolina. Like, wouldn't it be hilarious if North Carolina went to Duke and won in Cameron in Kay's final home game? Similarly, and this will not happen. This is impossible. But wouldn't it be wild, like the wildest, if Kenny Payne went and won it in <laughs> this season? I was wrong. That would be amazing if you were wrong about that. Wouldn't that be something? Man. That, is that funnier than Carolina? Dude. Duke at 
Dude, I, 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 I hesitate to use the word funny because then people oh. think I'm laughing at Kentucky's expense, which I'm not. I, would I say it would be funny? I'm like, wouldn't that be wild? Like, boy, here's what I'm saying. No, it would be funny. It would be hilarious. Are you kidding me? That's objectively hilarious if that it, happens. I don't funny. care who wins either way, but if you tell me that a Louisville team that can't tie <laughs> its own shoes wakes up and kicks the crap out of Kentucky and Rupp on Saturday, what? On America's Most Watched Network? The Network of Stars? Dude, okay. I can see the point. It would be hilarious. I I can't even imagine that happening. But my Peacock's got him. If my peak my Peacock's got a better Kentucky team than this one, so it won't happen. But boy, but please, Kentucky fans, please, if that happens, send me every link to every Kentucky message board I need to know about. Because I will just I'll pour a drink and I'll sit there all night. <laughs> My wife would be like, "What are we doing for New Year's Eve, baby? We are. What are we scroll doing for New Year's Eve? We are. Here. Yeah, come over here. We're gonna scroll cat's paws all night long. <laughs> you see me on New Year's Eve? I got the Dick Clark special on TV. I'm just scrolling cat's paws and shooting bottle rockets. Can't wait. At midnight. At midnight, I look over at my beautiful wife. I, I give her a little kiss. And right back to cat's paws. Can't wait. What's next? Game three. By the way, I'm drinking Pepsi Zero Sugar. All right. How's that working out for you? It's okay. Unless Pepsi's a, a sponsor, then it's great. But it's, it's okay. Yeah, maybe. Okay, good. Here's the truth about it. Here's the truth about it. There's a little pharmacy, the closest pharmacy to my hotel. For whatever reason, they don't have Coke Zero. So I'm, I'm, I have to go with Pepsi Zero Sugar. It's okay. Game three, Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern. Number 22, New Mexico at Wyoming inside Larry Shiat Auditorium. You can watch it on FS1. Kim Palm has it New Mexico minus four. Best start for the Lobos since? Oh, God, I heard this uh, last night. We had the Lobos on our air. 67, 68. Yeah. The only other time New Mexico started out this hot. This team is so hot right now. 13 and 0, 67 68, my man. How about this? Trivia time. Okay, let's go. Just a just just a guess. How many teams do you think were in the ni- New Mexico did make the 68 NCAA tournament? It was the first time they ever made the NCAA tournament. How many teams do you think the 1968 NCAA tournament was comprised of? 16. Let's go one more guess. More. 8. No, more? <laughs> 8. I don't know. I wasn't around in 1968. Dick Clark was, though. I know that. Dick Clark was. Rest in peace, Dick. Rest in peace to Dick Clark. How awesome is that? You, you've you been dead for however long, and they still just call the whole New Year's thing that you're they put it on you. That's a legacy. Hey, when I die, I want this I want this to be called the Gary Parish Island College Basketball Podcast, but only after I die. Might be a bridge too far. Which could It could be any day. All right. That's, it let's... could be any day. You know? It could. It could. That's not. How many teams? One more guess. More than 16. 24. 23. Why 23? I'd actually love to know the answer. It was, no, I know the answer. It was in honor of Michael Jordan. Okay. Yeah. Michael Jordan. How old was he in 68, my man? Michael Jordan. Same age as Tony Hinkle, too. (laughs) Jordan was born February 17th, 1963. If my Chicago Bulls obsessed younger self remembers that correctly, he just Wikipedia that one. February 1763. Bottom. Boom. Right on the money. Jordan would have been. That's right. Five years old. 
Five-year-old Jordan. So it was named after him before he ever donned. I can only presume he had never worn a jersey with 23 on it at that age. Um, okay. Because when Jordan played uh, JV, he didn't, he didn't wear 23 until he got to uh, Carolina, I don't believe. Um, okay. New Mexico. 23-3 and three that season makes the tournament for the first time. It's a buy into the Sweet 16. It's regional is at the pit. Lost. Done. Lost to Santa Clara by 13 points. Then they used to play consolation games back then. Lost to New Mexico State at the pit. Hopefully things work out a little bit better for Richard Pitino's team this season. They're off to a great start. The Mountain West, by the way, is firmly the seventh best league in the country. It is clearly better than the American this season. The Mountain West is having itself. Now, the Mountain West went 0 for 4 in the tournament last season. Got four teams in the dance. None of them got a win. Got to figure slash hope that that can change. Mexico's the cream of the crop there. But right now, San Diego State actually ranks best at Kempom, 26. Utah State still doing well, 40. Boise State, 60. UNLV is 77. Colorado State, even after this loss, still in the top 100. There isn't... Uh, the only team that's outside the top 150 at Kempom is Air Force. So good on the Mountain West... And you'll see plenty of it on CBS Sports Network or CBS this weekend. I will say this is a road one. Wyoming's been actually pretty disappointing. Not pretty, extremely disappointing. Has four wins against even competition after making the tournament last season. Uh, you know, I'll uh, I, I will I will go. This one's you're a devil for this one, GP. You're a devil. Sun devil. Sun devil. <laughs> You're a sun devil. Where is it? I need to, I need to play it again. Where is it? I need it. Hold on. There it is. Yeah, I love this one. I'm a sun devil. <laughs> Look at me. I'm a sun devil. Uh, you're a devil for picking this one because I maybe we're gonna get something weird this weekend. I will, but I will, I will take New Mexico to win and cover this this spread. Okay. The reason I use this game is because New Mexico is undefeated, but Wyoming is super interesting to me. Um, you mentioned disappointing. They are undeniably that. This team was picked second in the preseason Mount West Conference poll behind San Diego State, and they're 5-8 and eight now. Um, just lost again last night. Obviously, a lot of this is because Graham E.K. has not played all season. He had a lower leg injury in the preseason. Um, he's expected uh, back sometime in January, but he hasn't played yet, and that's the preseason Mount West Conference player of the year. So that's a problem. Jeff Linder is missing him badly. Um, and that's the biggest reason Wyoming is not uh, meeting expectations. But have you paid attention? And I'm not asking this to try to be like, oh, you're not paid attention. And just like, because I hadn't until last night. Hunter Malnado is not good. That's a, a, a plot twist I did not see coming because I was convinced he was going to be one of the 40 or so best players in the country this season. So I'm looking at it last night because we had we had Wyoming on our air. And so we got to talk about this stuff. Like, um, you know, our, our producer, Amy's like, hey, hey, can you give us a first out comment on Wyoming? And I'm like, of course. And then I start like, you know, I'm paying attention to Wyoming. And I'm like, whoa, Hunter Mononato is not doing anything relative to what he has consistently done in college. By the way, first off, he's in his sixth year at Wyoming. Six years at the same school. Eight years old. That's incredible. Six years at the same school. Last season, just for people who have never heard of him, I'm assuming some people who are listening uh, fall into that category. This is a dude who, for an NCAA tournament team last season, averaged 18.5 points, 6.3 assists, 5.7 rebounds per game. Statistically great. I assume Graham E.K.'s out. E.K. took 14 shots a game last season. 
So that's 14 more shots. Somebody got to take. I'm like, well, I guess it should be Maldonado on some level. Everything's down. Hunter Maldonado took 13 shots a game last season. Graham E.K. took 14. This season, Hunter Maldonado's taking 8.7 shots per game. They lose Graham E.K. and 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 Maldonado's taking four fewer shots per game. Instead of averaging 18.5 points like last season, 12.3. 6.3 assists last season. Now it's 3.6. 5.7 rebounds last season. Now it's 4.1. Everything is down. Shots per game, like I said, also down. Field goal percentage, also down. It's just a, a weird deal. Um, I was talking to Chris Walker in studio last night about it. He said, you know, some of it's probably he's getting a lot more attention than he uh, otherwise would get if EK were on the court. And I'm sure that's a partial explanation. He also suffered a head injury. Um, against Boston College the week of Thanksgiving. And you can see the numbers start to trail off after that. But that's just one of the more off-the-radar, surprising early season stories. Um, that, uh, you know, it, it is easy to explain why Wyoming's not as good as it was supposed to be. Um, they, they lost their best player. But their other great college player is not performing well at all. And, uh, again, I don't I don't think I realized it as as thoroughly as I, I I do now until last night. It's a it's it's a weird weird situation. You don't see this too often. That is that is uh yeah that is quite interesting and obviously a key to why they've been so bad. Is this game three or game four? This is game three. Did we pick it yet? Uh, I picked it so you don't have a choice. I'm taking New Mexico minus four. Oh no what yeah, did you, you do? Just, I picked New Mexico so you have to take Wyoming. Oh yeah I have to go opposite you game three every week. So yeah I'm I'm Wyoming plus four but let the record show I don't feel good about it at all. <laughs> Oh, I didn't mean to do that. I don't want to do that. A little bit of a trap. Game four, Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern, number 24, West Virginia at Kansas State inside Brent Stover Coliseum. You can watch it on ESPN Plus. Kim Pom has it West Virginia minus one. I, I appreciate you keeping me on my toes here because just so people realize like going into every normally Friday preview episode, we got a special Thursday night one. And if you woke up to uh, the pod in your feed, you're like, what? You're welcome. Give you a little extra time there. Heading into New Year's weekend. We're happy to, uh, to oblige you. I try and predict what four games you're going to pick. And oftentimes I'll get, I've never been more wrong than this one. <laughs> I think I had one at UConn. I actually know. I thought you do Kentucky Louisville CBS game and UConn Xavier. There's other two, but explain to me why this is, why this is on of the four you picked here. Because the head coach of Kansas State is Jerome Tang. That's a Scott Drew disciple. You know how I feel about that. This is the reason. That's the main reason. West Virginia's 10-2. and two, Got wins over UAB, Florida. Losses to Purdue, Xavier. They are in the top 25-1. and one. Kansas State, 11-1. Beat the LSU team that beat Arkansas. Also got wins over Nevada, Nebraska. Lone loss to Butler. Um, and the, this is perhaps, arguably, the most compelling Big 12 game of the opening weekend, arguably, um, in, in part because let's see what Kansas State is. Like, they, they've got a nice record, um, but, you know, there's not a lot of big quality stuff there yet. But they've got a nice record. They should have an incredible home court advantage this weekend, and they're playing uh, a, a ranked team. And, you know, listen, the, the Big 12, it, it, you know, it, right now, this is true. All 10 teams in the Big 12, can like every coach in the Big Twelve, from Bill Self to Jerome Tang, and yes. every can can look his team in the eyes and say, "Guys, calendar's flipping to January. 
And we got a realistic chance to make the NCAA tournament. We can do this. Every team is set up to do it. Every team won't do it because somebody's just going to get beat up in this thing. I don't know who it is, but somebody's just going to get beat up in this thing and win like five games, and that's going to be that. Um, But right now, all 10 Big 12 teams are in the top 55 of the net and the top 55 at Ken Palm. Seven of the 10 have already won at least 10 games. Like I said, every team's got a legitimate shot at the NCAA tournament. And if you're Kansas State and you beat West Virginia this weekend, you've got a a possible claim to a spot in the AP poll on Monday. It's an intriguing game, and I had it on my list of other ones to know about there. And I like you mixing it up like this. Uh, Keontae Johnson's been awesome for Kansas State. Uh, This is a, a wonderful spot at home. I think you said it was it was West Virginia minus one in Octagon right. Zoom. Did I say that right? Yep. Brentstover Arena, rather. Uh, yeah, yeah, Brentstover yeah. Coliseum. This I'm sorry. It's like a genuinely tough game to call. I I will go. Uh, give me a uh, give me hashtag Ema. Every man a wildcat. Give me give me give me the fighting tangs. Yeah, gets tangy, tangy on Saturday. Yeah, K State straight up. <laughs> Let's go. Well, I can't pick against Jerome Tang. The only reason I bring the game up is because of Jerome Tang. I'm not going to sit here. I'm not making you pick against Jerome Tang. I know, but like it's first. It's first. Uh, so we got it, plenty more games left this season. Don't get all so concerned about that. Come over. Come on over. Let's go. It, it took so long for Jerome Tang to get the opportunity, like this opportunity, to be a head coach in the Big 12. And then I'm just going to pick against him in his Big 12 opener? You, I, you think I'm heartless? I can't do that. I'm not heartless, so I, I got to go with you. I take Kansas State at home. I don't, I don't want I, I I don't like going with you, but Man. I'd rather go with you than That's go right. against Jerome Tang. So I'm stuck. I'll, t- I'll give you another reason why. Because <laughs> on December 17th, out there at the Mobile Center, T-Mobile Center, K State beat Nebraska 71-56. And as we talk and record this podcast, oh my goodness, Nebraska. Is destroying Iowa. It's 58-36. Dude, it's the pin- Where? Where Pinnacle is this game? Pinnacle Bank, dog. It's their fourth home one in the past five seasons. Pinnacle Bank? You ain't going in there. Fred McCaffrey thinks he can just go to Pinnacle Bank? And Murray, Murray's playing. He's playing. Just missed it. Just missed a follow-away jumper from the baseline. Rebound Nebraska. 10 minutes to go. 22-point lead. Good on you. That's another fan base. Just giving, give us some reason to have some optimism. We hear you, Husker fans. Why don't we at least acknowledge that you are you are running away with it against the Hawkeyes? There, the interesting uh, plot twist there. All right, let's let's pick my game first, and I'll give you a, a few more things to know about for the weekend. I, some interesting ones. I was actually tempted. I, I was tempted to go Carolina Pitt Friday noon tip, but I'm I'm going to go Saturday. We'll we'll stick with the Saturday stuff here. So my game, it's two Eastern Saturday, mm. Fox mm. on Ike Diagu Court. Okay. Arizona against Arizona State. Arizona, by the way, it's going to be an awesome uniform game. Arizona is bringing back its 96-97 title season unis, and they are going all Navy, cats on the side, just an elite uniform. Why isn't – why this is not Arizona? Just who who makes these decisions? Do you not understand that it would be universally applauded if someone just walked in, if it's, if it's the AD, whomever, just saying, you know what? We're going back to this. This is what we're wearing indefinitely for the next 50 years. No one's going to complain. Just go back to these uniforms permanently. Zona's going to look good. 12-1. and one. League, uh, not league opener. They've already played two Pac-12 games. Against an Arizona State team that's 11-2. and two. 
we last saw on CBS Sports Network get weirdly drilled and sent into another dimension by the San Francisco Dons. A 97-60 defeat there. This one's a little, little interesting there, but why not? Ken Palm as the line. Arizona on the road in Tempe. Minus four. Who you got? It's a tough one. Boy, Ike Diago, as a young beat writer, I watched that dude destroy Memphis in the second half of an NCAA tournament game one time. Woo! Tremendously fun college player. I loved Ike in college. Go look that up. I can't remember what he did. I just remember going, Woo! Woo! Ike Diago was something, boy. I'm going to take Arizona. I'm going to lay the points. I believe in Tommy Lloyd. I believe Tommy Lloyd can go on the road and and win that game. I don't enjoy agreeing with you, but I made my pick before this, and I have to take Arizona. Arizona, right in they're in that class with me with Purdue, Houston, UConn teams that I think that are already knocking on the door of of having the great label, and I think they can get there. Arizona is that, and. Lloyd is forty-five and five, trying to go to forty-six and five. He uh, he made my uh, when I did my year in review earlier this week. Uh, his his overall year was uh, was one of the bigger stories, and yeah, Zona's just uh, they're an awesome, awesome, awesome watch, and they look great in those unis. Here's what else you need to know about uh, the weekend. So Friday, there's actually two worth watching. If you're home, ACC Network. You've got UNC at Pitt. That's a noon tip. ACC Network. UNC at Pitt. Just keep let's just keep an eye on it, GP. Let's see let's see what. Uh, what might be in store there? Pitt, nine and four, two and zero oh in the league. They won at NC State and then they won at Syracuse. So it's two and zero oh with two road wins. Forget the competition. Like they've done, they've done well. And now they got three straight games at home: UNC, then Virginia, and then Clemson. Not saying this team is going to the tournament. I don't think that's going to happen. But maybe, I don't know. Let's see what let's see what Carolina can do in that spot. And then also on Friday, Miami at Notre Dame. Uh, it's getting. Late early for the Irish, Fighting Irish, who I had 25th in the preseason there. Miami's a one-loss team, and Isaiah Wong's been an All-American guard. This is two Eastern tip, Friday, ACC Network. Those are the two most intriguing games to me on a relatively light schedule. But Notre Dame, like that, that's basically a mandatory win if you want to even try and develop an NCAA tournament resume. And then on Saturday, you mentioned the Big Ten stuff. I mean, the Big 12 stuff. Every game is worth watching. <laughs> this, is a, this is a function of every team being good. Uh, everyone is between 5 and 55 right now in Ken Palm, I believe, uh, K-State's at the bottom of that. But K-State, again, just one loss. Texas Tech at TCU, noon Eastern ESPNU. Oklahoma State is at, is at Kansas. That's a CBS game on Saturday. Again, you can see me on HQ if you're watching watching on a second screen there. I'll, uh, I'll be popping in with some, some commentary and analysis there. Oklahoma State at Kansas, 2 Eastern CBS. Also at 2 Eastern, Texas at Oklahoma. Texas has actually looked pretty good. Marcus Carr went for 41 earlier this week. And... Uh, and according to basketball researcher Jared Burson, the first player ever to get 40-plus at two power conference programs. He did it at Minnesota. Now he's done it at Texas. They're going to play at Oklahoma. And then another two-Eastern game, Baylor at Iowa State. That might be a race to 60. And even we'll see about that, but that's also another rugged one. And then another one in that two-Eastern window on Saturday, Marquette at Villanova. Nova gave UConn a good push. I actually was – I came away impressed – 
with how Villanova looked in defeat, it was actually the only team so far to actually keep UConn within a single-digit margin once they once the final uh, buzzer sounded. Marquette continues to look pretty good. Interesting one there. Villanova's got so much work to do if it even wants to build something of an at-large resume. But this is like you you got to win it. You're at home. Marquette's coming in. You have to win this game. So we'll see there. Cam Whitmore continues. To, he's like ascending, like a top three freshman in the country in a week's time if this if this keeps up. And then two more on Saturday. San Diego State at UNLV, four Eastern CBS. Keep an eye on GP on CBS Sports HQ coverage there. UNLV just took a loss uh, at the San Jose State. Shouts to Tim Miles. He's doing well there. Again, Mountain West. There's a lot to, to be intrigued in. And then how about this? Your mid-major under-the-radar special. St. Mary's is 10-4. and four. It ranks top 20 in Ken Palm right now. It's going to go on the road and play Santa Clara on Saturday. Santa Clara, I'm just telling you right now, it's the team to watch out for that could be the role of a San Francisco, although San Francisco is still really good. Santa Clara is 12 and three has defeated DePaul, Iona, Wyoming, though, who hasn't yet got a win over Boise state, got to 12 and three in non-conference play. And it just lost a lottery pick. It just lost Jalen Williams there. This is actually a pretty intriguing mid-major game. So I wanted to give it some love there again, St. Mary's at Santa Clara. That's a seven o'clock Eastern tip. I think that's an online stream only. And then Sunday two to no Maryland and Michigan state four thirty Eastern FS one. Iowa at Penn State. See what if Iowa can gather itself. It's still down 20. It didn't walk into Pinnacle. Didn't walk in. 5.30 Eastern on Sunday. Huge, huge sports weekend. Before we get out of here, mm. let's go ahead and pick the CFP semifinals. Man. All right. This is Saturday, New Year's Eve. I'm sure there are some TV bowl nonsense reasons why... College football, we talked about this like four years ago. You hold your damn semifinals on New Year's Eve. Like college football cannot get out of its own way. Why would you? Whatever. It's what it is. Here are the, well, lines. Well, the, the original explanation was they said we we're going to change people's New Year's Eve habits. Yeah. And then people yeah. were like, no, you're not. No, you're no, not going to do that. And like, this is going to be difficult <laughs> for me because um, – you're gonna be on cat's paws. You're gonna be on be on cat's paws. I'm gonna be cat's paws all night long. I got time to watch football. I'm be on cat's paws all night long. The only time I'm gonna take a break from cat's paws is at midnight. I'm gonna go like this. I kiss my wife, and then I'm gonna go right back to cat's paws. Yeah, that's right. But you know, like the the, the game will still get a good. It'll get a great rating, but like you know, the second one's Georgia at Ohio State starts at Eastern. College football games take four hours. Like that, you could have a you could have a goal to go situation in one possession. Oh, it's Georgia, so we'll see. All right, let's pick the games. Four Eastern Saturday, mm. Michigan minus seven and a half against the Horn Frogs. TCU, Michigan minus seven and a half. Who you got? I think Michigan wins, but TCU covers. TCU has has been and listen. If you're going to come anywhere uh, for college football analysis, the Eye on College Basketball podcast is where you want to be. Um, That's right. But if you if you need any, if this isn't really satiating your needs, go find the Cover Three podcast with our guy Tom Fornelli. I haven't heard a lot from him lately, by the way. Have you? I haven't heard from Fornelli all that much. Yeah, he got real quiet. Oh, yeah, Fornelli got pretty quiet. Fornelli got pretty quiet. That's the amazing thing about college basketball fans. <laughs> They get they get real loud and then they get real quiet. Chip Patterson shouts to you, the whole uh, the whole crew at Cover Three. In all sincerity, if you want a little more college football in your life, uh, wonderful podcast and congrats, fellas, to a to an incredible twenty twenty two for you guys. Uh, TCU has been 
the team that just continues to uh, to win close and and got here through uh, through guts and guile. I will go Michigan. You've got you've got the frogs to cover. I will go Michigan to uh, to win and cover this. I'm hoping one of these two, and frankly, I'm hoping the one that starts earlier is the closer game. Um, but I will go Michigan to cover. Now, how about this? Now, Ohio State's the better opponent, but I actually thought before I looked at the line, I actually thought Georgia would be favored by more. So Georgia six and a half, giving six and a half. This is an eight Eastern tip on Saturday. All your basketball stuff is mostly going to be out of the way by the time this thing gets going. Uh, minus six and a half versus the Buckeyes. What do you think? I think Ohio State wins, but Ohio. Uh, no, I think Georgia wins, oh. but Ohio State covers. I'm oh. sorry, I just I. I oh, you're spoke. about to get spicy on me right there, man. I don't. No, 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 anyone, I, this, I'm genuinely like, is anyone in media and college football that covers it like on a national? Like, is anyone taking Ohio State straight up money line? I, I don't know. I, it, it, it seems like this is not a thing that's out there. You know. Yeah, like um, Ohio State's super talented. They just haven't really looked like a great football team for parts of the season. But uh, I think the the prevailing thought among college football people is Georgia's the best team in the country. But if anybody could get them, it's probably Ohio State. I am going to abide by the near decade long approach with Alabama and say I'm not picking against Georgia. It has just been so overwhelmingly dominant that, like, you can just see Georgia winning this game by like 24 points and making it a laugher by the third quarter. At least I can. Your premier college football playoff analyst out there. So, so uh, we split. We split them both. Can we, Nada? Can we fold both of these picks, even though they won't be in the graphic? Can we fold these two picks into our season-long final four-one record since we both disagree? You know what? We just might. We just might fold these in just because it'll give GP another chance to get a little bit closer to, yeah. to, to over 500. I say we do say it. it. I'm going to vote in favor of doing that. Are right, we going to get right. out of here? We got a lot of stuff going on right now. I got Nebraska beating Iowa again by 20 points still. What else we got going on? Uh, my, my man, Mike Norvell's coaching in a bowl game on television right now at Florida state. What's the score? Love Mike Norvell. Uh, Can we get a score update on that game for everyone listening to this podcast Friday evening? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's terrific. Florida state is up 32, 25 in this moment. All right. I'll, Tyler uh, Harris, Tyler Harris is back inside FedEx forum playing against the tigers. So that's interesting. Okay, There we go. The Grizzlies are in Toronto beating up on a, Fred Van Vleetless. Fred Van Vleetless. Raptors team. Yeah. Plus, I got a pack. I'm going home tomorrow. Can we? All right, let's get out of here. But before we do this, let's not do this offline. Let's decide right now. Are we? I love how you Sunday. just totally. I love how you just totally decided your wife being terrified is not that important. She, I got a text update. We're good. Okay. She said she, she banged on the little cabinet door. Hasn't heard a sound since. Okay, we got, we got we got the we got the mouse stuff around the house. I, we haven't really seen a mouse in the house in a while. But uh, no, she's good. Trust me. If she wasn't, she actually probably made a first podcast appearance by now. She crawled up in the office, been tugging tugging on my shirt. You got to get this done. Um. All right. So Sunday night is New Year's Day, but I plan on being home. Uh. Are, should people be expecting us a Sunday as usual? Pod is that uh, is that in the plans here? Yeah, I'm flying again on Monday. <laughs> we got we got to knock this thing out on Sunday home. night. Yeah, I'm going home. And then I'm coming right back here on Monday. Sounds like you're on your way to a second Delta plaque, my man. Oh, they love me at Delta. I love them back. 
it is wild when you get to the point where the people in the Delta Sky Club at LaGuardia and in Memphis, like I know them all. I know them. I see them more regularly than I see my actual friends. They are my friends. Like if I had to invite my friends to over for a party, I would just invite people who work at the Sky Club in LaGuardia and the Sky Club in, in, in Memphis. In fact, I, um, LaGuardia... Like they, I don't know if you've been in LaGuardia since they redid a lot I of have, it. Uh, like, I actually can barely believe what I'm seeing around me when I go to LaGuardia. I've, I've been like twice. Right. Yeah. So now I'm I'm typically in a different Sky Club, like the newer Sky Club in the new terminal. But a few weeks back, I went back to, um, I went to, I ended up in the older Sky Club, and this nice woman who uh, I used to see every week. And we, I'd, I'd sit there and like I'd sit at the bar and talk to her she, and, and, uh, and, you know, she'd, she'd give me drinks and we'd just have a good time till it was time to go. And I hadn't I seen her in like going. a, okay. no, no, no. She's just a, like a nice older I woman. Know, like there's, just... there's, there's no story to it except that like we, like it was, Hey, Mr. Parrish, it was that type of thing when you walk in and, um, and I hadn't seen her in the, like a year, I swear to God. So I walk in there and she's just standing there and I like had this, I felt, emotional almost like it was i was like i was was like it's good to see you how have you been i was like really happy to see her (laughs) that's how that's how often i used to see her i was really happy to see her all righty then i'll be back there tomorrow morning anybody want to have a drink tomorrow morning (laughs) come meet me at the sky club laguardia Wife doesn't listen to the pod, right? Yeah, sometimes, sure. All right. Okay. She knows I'm not doing anything inappropriate with the Delta Sky Club woman. <laughs> Just my friend. This is a real sign of GP when uh, his wife approaches him after this episode. So should 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 Let's go. Shouts to David Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Over at Apple, leave a nice review, five stars, type some words. There's more of us than there are of them. More of us than there are of them. I bet you, I bet you, respectfully, I bet you, I bet you my friend at the Sky Club, I bet she's one of us. I bet on that. <laughs> we'll talk to you again Sunday night. Bye bye. Goodbye, 22. Goodbye. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in Five, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 